0: Welcome to Jillian's Surprise podcast, where I talk all things theater, have some people on, our, have some chats. Um, today I have John Cardoza on, who I adore. So if you want to kind of give yourself a little, little intro,
1: <laughs> hi everybody. Um, should I introduce myself? Should I talk about the things?
0: Or whatever you want to introduce yourself with is fine.
1: <laughs> oh well, I'm well. Then I'm just John. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I met Jillian on tour with Moulin Rouge. Uh, I just finished six months uh, playing Christian on the national tour. And uh, now I am, I'm off the road. I'm getting ready to move back to New York and I'm uh, starting up uh production with The Notebook in January on the Broadway.
0: <laughs> I am so excited for The Notebook. <laughs> i
2: have not
0: shut up about it <laughs> since the marquee went up i was like this is my whole personality this is all doing <laughs> in february and i wish i had seen it in chicago because i had a lot of friends that saw it and were obsessed
2: oh and good to- we love to hear that
0: it was like i was so i had so much fomo when it was in chicago i was so jealous but <laughs> I just want to start this by saying that you, literally, and I don't say this lightly, you are my favorite Christian in Mulan Rose. Thank
1: you so much.
0: You're my absolute favorite. Like you were insane. It
1: was so <laughs> Thank you so much. I know it's a it's it's a dense pack. We got some good guys out there.
2: Yeah. I just
1: like I mean, after doing the role, I I look back. On it and i'm like wow anybody who does this and makes it from start to finish i just have nothing but immense respect for
2: yeah.
1: um it, it's it, it's tough and they've got they've managed to find a lot of really really wonderful people to uh to fill those boots so yeah. i feel very lucky to be one of them
0: it was actually my mom's first time seeing rouge when we saw you in cincinnati oh no way and i would seen it i think that was like my 13th round I don't know, I <laughs> It was my second time on tour, 13th like overall. And my mom at intermission was like, do you like it as much as you do? Cause I've only seen on Broadway, I've only seen Aaron. And then I saw Connor on tour and then you, and she goes, do you like it as much as you like Aaron? And I was like, I'm scared. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I'm obsessed.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's that's a very high compliment. Thank you.
0: I like, okay, so one of the questions I had someone ask was if Mm -hmm. you could be anybody else in Moulin Rouge, who would it have been?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Honestly, I think there's something really, really interesting about Ziedler that I love that is so, like far out of the realm of who I am. It would definitely be a stretch, but I, I just like touring with Austin. Austin's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Austin Durant, who is our Ziedler on the road. Um, yeah, he's just like so captivating and interesting. And there's like so much that you don't know about him that you can kind of Come up with in your own in your own mind, and so I feel like each of the Ziedlers that I've seen, because I've seen a couple now, um, and I've done the show with a couple of them, they they can all sort of be so different, uh, even though they're all given the same framework. And so I think that there's so much to play with with him that I think would be really really fun. Um, but also, who doesn't want to like descend from the ceiling on a <laughs> So like sure, I'll say Satine too. That'd be fun.
0: <laughs> I think it's so interesting because Zidler is a character that was expanded on so much from the movie mm-hmm. that like it was wild the first time I saw him on stage. Is so I was like, he has like a whole backstory now. Like he is like yeah. a whole he's a whole character now. Yeah, he's so, like, very he's very fleshed out. Movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I loved it. But again, I will never stop talking about how much I loved your Christian because. <laughs> it you. was it was oh my god so good um what other questions do we have i had someone ask i had a lot of people ask this and i thought it was an interesting question i had like six people ask this um hmm. what's the best thing you've been given at stage story
2: the best thing. I've
0: been- people that have given you something <laughs>
1: no, oh my like- gosh wait this is gonna get me into hot water though because <laughs> i have been very fortunate to receive many gifts um at the stage door and uh, I appreciate all of them and I love all of them. And so I don't want anybody who's listening to this to think that like, I, I have everything. I've kept yeah. everything. And honestly, some of it, I haven't even really been able to sift through yet. I kind of, after I left the tour, um, I, my, schedule I was just talking about this this morning with my with my dad because I'm getting ready to move back to the city in a couple of weeks um but I knew that October and November were going to be very densely packed in and so here and there I've kind of like started unpacking my life from tour but I haven't done the full sit down sift through and I kind of like did a little bit of that the other day and I got very misty eyed like looking back on it and I was like oh my gosh I'm not I I need to be in the right mindset for this but that being said I will give you a couple that I that I, that really stand out. Um, the first being on my last day, um, somebody approached me with it was a a, f- a frame of sort of like a collage of it was like images of like it, w- it was like production photos and images of me in the show, um, sort of collaged with some like some the sheet music for Roxanne, like the first page of sheet music, and all around like the border. Um, were pictures that I had taken at the stage door at various different venues over my time, and um, there was like a little blurb from each person that I'd taken a photo with about um, d- just really really kind words about my performance and about mm-hmm. the and about our time meeting and um, and that was very very special to me just because so many people came together to get it done from different areas of the country. I could tell a lot of like organization had been put into it and. It was very, very um it's really moving. I still like if I need a boost, sometimes I'll like look at one of the little blurbs and be like, okay, yeah. Like <laughs> but I think it can get really you can get really in your head about these sort of things. Yeah. You know, you're on you're on tour and you have to do this role and um and you have so many expectations for yourself and you want to live up to the expectations of the people who love the show and um you know it can get a little cyclical and so sometimes it like it's nice to have something that reminds you to you know, live outside yourself, and 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 that the things that you're doing matter to somebody, regardless of however you're feeling on that day. You just you have to show up, and you give them what you have, and you hope that it's enough. Um, but yeah, so that that frame was really really generous. But th- there were so many things. I have like th- I have keychains and bracelets that I keep on my backpack. I have, um, oh gosh, what else do I have? I have like one of the little those little Funko Pop guys. Yeah. I have one of those. That was very, very sweet. And um and oh my goodness, I feel like I feel like I'm missing something. I know I know that I am. Oh somebody gave there was like these little have you seen those little wooden um they look like tickets. Uh yeah.
2: they're like,
1: and they're magnets. Somebody yeah. Uh, somebody who I had uh, met a couple times. I think I met them at first in Philadelphia, and then again in DC. And they had two of them, and one of them had like the date that I started uh, the tour on, and one of them was my last date. So I, I
0: still have those. I love before. that. Yeah. And a lot so of
1: art, cool. a lot of portraits and paintings. I know you asked for one thing. I just like <laughs> I, I don't want to leave anybody out. It's all so generous, and um, <laughs> and I really do. I, I keep all of it, and I um, and it's it's very very kind and it's very appreciated so I don't want to leave anybody out
0: <laughs> See, there are six people asked for it so, like,
1: <laughs> so hopefully I got all six of them
0: <laughs> um okay so I kind of like to when I have people on I kind of just like to talk about like what your favorite shows are and like what you like when you discovered that this is something you wanted to do and like what your dream roles are and all of that stuff so I kind of like to have like an all-encompassing conversation about it um, um because I grew up somewhere where there wasn't a lot of theater and wasn't until about a few years ago, but I grew up with like tours and with bootlegs and with like musical movies and that kind of thing. So I'm always interested to hear everyone else's like growth with theater and acting and everything. So when was like, what was the first show you ever saw?
1: The first show I ever saw was the national tour of the Lion King when I was in the fourth grade. Um, and Honestly, it was, I mean, I loved every second of it. I had not yet done, uh, like I, I I hadn't done a show or anything. Like I, it was just something that it was in town and my parents were like, oh, this could be really fun for myself and for my sister, who was in I think sixth grade at the time. My sister is not a musical theater person. <laughs> she was not having the experience that I had in the scene <laughs> at The Lion King. Um, but I had grown up like singing around the house, and um, and you know I didn't take voice lessons, but I took piano lessons. So like, and my mom was very musical, um, and she was like, she did her drama club when she was in high school. She grew up in, in rural Pennsylvania, and um, so I like my knowledge of musicals was whatever my mom had done in high school and listened to, like listened to their cast recordings. Um, and then when I was in the fourth grade, they took us to see The Lion King, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is you know unbelievable." It was the national tour at the Boston Opera House, and then uh, I didn't end up doing my first show until a couple years later in sixth grade. I did Cinderella, and uh, and I really, really wanted to be the Herald. <laughs> I wanted to be the guy who was like the prince is giving a ball. Um, I didn't get it. Uh, I ended up playing the prince. Um, Devastating. You know, I know. I was like, ah, <laughs> darn. I just, like, I just thought the Herald was so cool. I was, you know, Jason Alexander in the-, yeah. in the brand new movie. I was like, come on. So fun. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I did that. And that was really when I was bitten by the bug. And at the time, I was, um, I was a competitive figure skater for, like, 10 years of my life. And that was, like, my main focus. It was what I was going to do. And, like, I was doing regionals and nationals and, like, you know, taking weeks off of school to go to boot camps and like that kind of stuff. And so there really wasn't a lot of time for it. And not to mention, I lived in an area, probably not unlike yours, that didn't have a lot of theater. I was in like southeastern Massachusetts. It was like a pretty small suburban area. It was very sports heavy. Um, But I did the school shows and I loved them. And like, as time went on, I sort of realized, I was like, you know, skating is awesome, and I love the sport, but I, competing is really not for me. I don't see myself making a life out of this, and, um, I just had this, like, gravitational pull towards theater, towards acting, um, and making music, and, uh, and so when I was in high school, I started participating in the drama club a little bit more seriously, and, like, taking the trips. We saw the, um, the revival of Guys and Dolls in like 2000, oh, was that like 2008, 2009? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing. And then the one that like really did me in, like really just like solidified that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do is a friend of mine gave me uh, like a burnt CD copy because we had, we had to burn CDs back then. <laughs> a burnt CD copy of, the cast recording for Next to Normal.
2: Amazing. And
1: I sat in my bedroom and I looked, li- well, I didn't listen to it for several weeks. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what this is. It's like a blank CD with like some Sharpie <laughs> written on it. I was like, well, I don't know what this is. And a couple weeks later I was like, okay, I- he gave it this to me, I'm just gonna listen to it. And I sat in my room and I listened to it from start to finish and I was weeping. I was just <laughs> like, cause it's one of those shows that you can listen to and really get the story. Yeah. It's almost entirely sung through.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, and from that point on, I mean, I would listen to that every day. Um, it was my, you know, my Christmas present one year was take, making the five hour drive to New York and seeing the show and uh, it was such a game changer for me. I was like, okay, I didn't really understand that this is what theater could be. Up till then, my knowledge of theater was whatever the school was doing. So it was like Annie and Grease and yeah. Guys and Dolls, which is, they're all, you know, amazing in their own right, They've they've, been the catalyst for so many people to get into theater, but I just like, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, I know what it was about this normal <laughs> that just like really clicked in, like the humanness and speaking to, to where so many of us are now in our lives. I was like, wow, this can be, and and to hear musicals that weren't all, um, you know, it has a very nebulous ending. Like it doesn't have that the happy ending that so many of them have. Um, and yet it's still hopeful and optimistic, and I was like, yeah, this is life, and I want to be a part of whatever that is, and so that was the thing that did me in, and then uh, I just, like, really committed to it, Uh, and it was really tough to walk away from skating. That was tough for my family. It was, like, a very big part of my life, but I think they saw how much I was driving towards this thing, and they really, they were honest with me, and they set me up for, there, there was a lot of tough times. I mean, I Applying to colleges without any experience, virtually virtually no experience other than, you know, community theater in your high school can be tough when you're, you know, auditioning for these competitive programs with kids who have been going to camp together and, you know, doing the intensives and the things that you do when you know that this is what you want from, you know, a younger age and, uh, but I was lucky and I, I was able to get into the Boston Conservatory um, which is where I ended up going it was one of the only schools that I got into it was that and I also got into heart um, and uh, but I had applied for like 12 so like towards the end I was like oh my gosh I'm not going to school for this what am I gonna do I don't I don't know and then they saw something in me and I had to work you know really really hard because it's an expensive school and yeah. <laughs> to, there's there's so I was you know working, a lot of on-campus jobs and applying for scholarships like you wouldn't believe I was an RA for a while to cut down on the cost of living. and But I, it was the only formal training that I'd had. So I was like, okay, I need to be a sponge. Mm-hmm. And I just threw myself into it. And so like, I would, I would stay in the practice rooms almost every night until two o'clock in the morning when they would close. Um, and you know, I took voice lessons so seriously because I'd had no guidance up to that point, and I was like, okay, well, I know that I can sing, but I don't know how to. So this is my time to really um, turn my body into an instrument and a vessel, and um, yeah. So I just like I, I took it so seriously, and I'm, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really really glad that I did, and I think I got a great education there, and I'm I'm really proud of the artist that it made me, and. um and that develops a really really strong work ethic for longevity in this career that can be really really tough um and yeah and uh, and then i graduated and i feel like you can probably find the rest of my yeah. <laughs> <journey> online <laughs>
0: <Go> on <fiddle.com. laughs>
1: I um, you know there's there's some that's available but i and of course i mean you get like the 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 big bullet bio stuff there's so much more to it but um, yeah But I feel like I've been rambling for a while now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that it was next to normal because, so I, I'm not, I love next to normal, but it's not Mm -hmm. my type of musical, but I enjoy it. And I have this conversation with so many people, like so many actor friends, so many like non-musical theater friends that I like play stuff for. It's so funny because they'll listen to next to normal on like my shuffle and then the next song will be like "Jet Set" from "Catch Me If You Can." <laughs> and then like the next song will be like "Some Like It Hot," and it's just like they're like, "That's you're not a next to normal girly." I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> <game laughs> <God." laughs> I'm, like I like a big tap number. <laughs> like, that's for sure. Like- sure. <laughs> and I
1: do too. I just yeah. you you won't see me killing it on the dance floor in some <laughs> tap shoes, on stage. That is someone else's job yeah. that just couldn't be me. I don't have yeah, the do uh, the the ankle agility for that.
0: <laughs> I, I grew up dancing and top was my favorite thing on the planet. So I'm like, it makes sense so cool. that like now I'm still obsessed with it. But yeah, I love Next. I think Next Normal is so, like, I think it changed the game in terms of like how people saw mental health in terms of like media. And I think it was crazy. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and I mean I think it really like paved a lot it it, it's, it began like a new path for what musicals could do and mm-hmm. be about and um you know I mean there was a lot of uh I, I mean there there are a lot of musicals who who as if they are a person there are a lot of musicals that uh, that stem from really unusual source material or really unusual you know like throughout throughout history, I mean, you look at pretty much any Sondheim show on paper, they shouldn't work. And then they do because the execution is so excellent. And I think that was the case with Next to Normal where it was like a musical about a woman struggling with, you know, this, this, you know, disease and then, and prescription medication, and all of, and, and grief, and it's like these things are not something that you think about, you know, musicalizing, yeah. but they do it in such a, a way that is so careful and delicate and um, and thoughtful. And you know, I think it would be very easy for something like that, especially reading it on paper, to become like, is this going to be disrespectful? And it's like, no, the attention to detail is immaculate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I think it was, and, it, and it, the, the musicalization allows this release, you know, for people who are going in and identifying with what they're seeing on stage. You know, it's, there's so much that feels unspoken that they can sort of, it's just, I, I just think what, it, what it's able to do is, is remarkable. And that was what is, was, what, what pulled me in.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of Sondheim, I'm glad you brought him up. because <laughs> I am like huge Sondheim fan. He is everything to me, I love him. And I like to ask people what their favorite Sondheim musical is because I think it tells you a lot about a person. So what is your favorite Sondheim show?
1: Oh my goodness, that's a really tough question. Um, I think that my favorite I'm trying to make sure I'm not about to regret my decision. Because... <laughs> yeah, I feel confident in this. I'm going to go with Sunday in the Park with George.
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah, I love Sunday in the Park with George. Um, but I also, a very, very, very close second would probably be Into the Woods.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah, have yeah. so many friends that, like, Sunday is, like, their absolute favorite thing on the planet. And I'm, like, I love, like, Company sometimes. And I love, like... I
2: also Assassin. love Company.
0: Company is my favorite musical ever. And Assassins is, like, close second.
1: <laughs> Assassins is also amazing.
0: I mean, you know, like, I actually, I've
1: never seen a live, produ- like, uh, an in-person production of Assassins. That's I on my hadn't,
0: I hadn't either until the Classic Stage Company. hmm that was the most absurd production i've ever seen it was incredible it was
1: it's beautiful again source material that you're like on paper this shouldn't work right but it's just done so well i had a teacher say once in college he was like there's no such thing as a bad idea for a musical only bad execution and i think *Sondheim* is the poster child for that statement
0: (laughs) yeah because I like, I'll have people ask me what my favorite musicals are, and then I like tell them. And I kind of have I have two different answers. I have like the mundane answer for people that aren't gonna know what I'm talking about, and then I have <laughs> an actual answer. And um, whenever I say like Company and Assassins, they're like, "What's Assassins about?" And then I tell them, and they're like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but like it's great. Like you just don't get it. Like it's fine. But I think it's one of the most incredible things ever written. I think it's. Just it like- is. It is.
1: I mean, the fact that that he took that source material and turned it into something that was pretty widely accessible. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. so many community theaters and high schools like across the they do Assassins.
2: Yeah. My God, yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: you know, you that's that's an incredible feat to turn a show like that into something that is so widely, you know, acknowledged and revered and and performed
0: yeah unbelievable um okay so what is your dream role
1: my dream role
0: if it's already a thing what is your dream role and if not what would you like it to be
1: okay yeah I love this question (laughs) um it's it's tough because I uh like originating a show, originating a role is, has been, always is, continues to be even after it's accomplished the, the, the dream. Like that is what I love doing. And um, so in a major way, Noah in the Notebook is like, this is sort of my first crack at that. So I'm like, that's a real dream come true for me. Um, in terms of shows that already exist, I, Really, sky's the no limit. I think that there is something to be found in every character,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so I mean, really, as long as it's as long as it's a character with like a really, really um, profound arc. I like characters that make me think beyond um, beyond myself, and what I mean by that is. Um, gonna use, I've been thinking about this a lot lately um, in terms of like like a role like Evan Hansen and I'm not saying that Evan Hansen is is my dream role um, I'm just using him because I, I think he's a really perfect example of what I want to talk about which is a lot of folks are upset um, or were upset with Evan Hansen as a character because when we when it first came out and when we were first introduced to it it was just everybody fell in love with it right it was pretty unanimously um, revered as like, this this is contemporary musical theater at its finest. Like they've really done something profound with this. A lot of people saw themselves in it. You Will Be Found became this like, you know, this, this national like call <laughs> to folks who who saw themselves in this show. And as time went on, we got really um, critical of it, which should happen. Um, yeah. It's art. art is meant to be, Discussed and debated and you know, that's 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 what artists do is they, they create these things that start conversations and It became criticized because they were like, well, why do we love Evan Hansen? Like he's this terrible person He does terrible things and he's you know, this that and, then, and the next thing and my question to the folks who you know want to You know cancel a, for lack of better terms a role like that I just like at what point in history was art meant to make everyone comfortable, you know? It's like, if if you saw the show and you related with him and later decided that you actually didn't think that he was a good person and the way that he was going about the situation was all wrong, I think that is exactly the conversation that sh- we should be starting is like, we see ourselves in this person who does these things that we disagree with and it's like, where in myself is that person? And that's something that we have to grapple with. It's like, and it, and it goes back to this idea of like, you know, Evan, Han- the, the show Evan Hansen and the writers of of Dear Evan Hansen never, in- I don't think they ever intended, I can't speak for them, but I would assume they never intended for him to be received as a flawless character. This, like, this, this, the hero of the story that, that can't be criticized because he's just so good and we all love him. And right.
2: it's
1: like, we, I, th- I think both things can be true that he's this this really uh well-intentioned person who did some really really terrible things and it's more of a cautionary tale than you know than anything else where it's like if you're watching this show and you see yourself in this in this character who is struggling so much and who um is doing these things out of this like sense of self-preservation like if you're feeling that if you're sitting in the seats and you feel that way and you see yourself in him you will be found is 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 the answer to is, is their proposed answer to that question it's sort of like look around you and, and and know that there are people who can help you and who love you before you get to the point that Evan found himself in mm-hmm. um where he's you know doing these these really questionable things and so Evan was never meant to be this like flawless character and those that kind of a role that kind of a thing is what I gravitate towards where I'm like okay what parts of myself am I like really grappling with where I'm like I see myself in this character and I don't necessarily like it but I need to sit in that discomfort because that means that there's somewhere in there for me to grow and I think if you're growing and if you are bringing your your vulnerability to the stage Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that is the most meaningful art. I think if you have any sort of wall up or if you're unable to explore the parts of yourself that are brought out by the character then it creates a wall between you and the audience. So um, yeah, that's a very long winded, I'm I'm a rambler. (laughs) That's a very long winded way of saying like, I I just, I love a really, really challenging complex role. Somebody who is just so human and has, you know, maybe, maybe has a great arc in the show, maybe does wonderful things, but has a darkness to them and has a very, you know, human side to them because I think we all you know we're we're all afraid of some part of ourselves. that's why yeah. we that's that's why we butt heads when we do so um, yeah, anything that isn't afraid to like really delve into, you know Sweeney Todd is another great example of that. I could go down the list like to, every, yeah. every, so many. <laughs> but like i I think he's been a really interesting i've I've meditated on that a lot over the last couple of years just because. Of the way that things turned so quickly, where I was like, "Wait, yeah. wait, 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 When did we decide?" It was this like
0: thing? very fast. Very fast. It was like it all happened during like the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, I think everyone just had more time to like think about to
2: sit with <laughs> themselves
1: <Yeah. laughs> to sit with themselves and say, "Why am I? Why am I championing right. this thing?" But what? Uh, you know, I can't do anything but like applaud the writers of the show who
2: yeah.
1: created a character who started a conversation about this kind of stuff and. Um, and now we talk about it. And now maybe you know how you feel about it or maybe you're still wrestling with it, but but you had a conversation, whether it was with somebody else or with yourself. And that is really good art.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's the thing that was like, everything you were describing, I was like, you kind of did that with Christian though. Because Christian as a character is very complex. Like he right. has a crazy backstory that never actually made it into the Broadway show. But like he starts out just, like, this lovesick, like, running from whatever type of guy, and then it's, like, the fastest, like, flip that I've ever seen in a character. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's, he's really, he's a fascinating guy, and I, we talked, I talked a lot with the, the, um, the creative team about this when, I first sat down to rehearsal. Um, it was primarily me and Matt DiCarlo, who's our associate director and who sort of like takes care of the current running productions. Um, and I had a couple conversations with Alex Simbers and um, and it's, you know, you, you have to, you the actor who takes on the role, you have to love him because you have to, you know, you have to understand him, uh, mm-hmm. but even if there are things that he does that I disagree with, I have to find my way into that space. And for you, the actor, to find a way to understand it is the same way that we understand each other, or in theory, and that's how we become effective communicators: is we're able to have a conversation with somebody, and we might disagree with them, but you put yourselves in their shoes, and you figure okay well how did we get here and then it makes everything you know it's this is why i love acting (laughs) it's just like you know you learn so much about the world and the way that you experience people and um and it's like it breeds a lot of empathy and so yeah I, i i sat down with him for a long time and was like okay who is this person who is my version of this person because like you said there is sort of like a widely accepted back, backstory and there is what right. was in the film, but my job, or at least the way that I interpreted it is that I was like, well, it's not my job to take Evan McGregor's Christian and put him on stage. It just can't be, that's an impossible feat. Um, so I you know, have to like blank out anything that I know about the backstory that was embellished, that, that was elaborated on in the film where he came from, um, and I really can't think much about what Aaron or Derek or any of those former Christians or Connor, um, where, where they came from, because it's not necessarily in the script, in writing. All I have is, is the script and my imagination, and if I want my Christian to feel honest, and, and um, th- then I, I need to do that part myself, and so I sort of crafted who I believed this person to be um, and of course what's on the page remains on the page. And so in that sense, they all have this like through line, this, this thread that mm-hmm. ties them all together. And so they'll, you know, they'll always have the same start and end point, uh, in terms of, of dialogue, but, but the way that we experience the dialogue can be very different from person to person. So I had a lot of fun with that. Um, yeah. And I had to find a lot of, a lot of, you know, empathy for him. And I do, I do love him. John disagrees with so much of what he does, <laughs> but I do love him. And I, uh, and I really enjoyed playing him. Uh, he's a real challenge in many ways. Yeah.
0: I'm like, I love that you're like, John disag- John does not agree with holding a gun to <laughs> to the woman you love. Don't do that. No, don't
2: do it. Don't do it. <laughs>
1: But I had to find my way into that. And I was like, you, and that's, you know, I mean, it is what acting is. It's like, this is, this, you, you have to find ways to justify it in your in your mind and you get there. And, and that's why it can be, after a while, it can be a very dark place to go sometimes, yeah. you know? But, um, but then you just, you, you leave it on the stage and you go out there with people that you trust. You know, like yeah. doing that show with Courtney and Yvette and Nikki and Gabby, I think were the, the four Satine's that I had the pleasure of working with. And all of them were just, you know, you get very comfortable with each other very fast because it's just, trust is paramount.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hate to say it, but I'm team Duke in Moulin Rouge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> I love a together. villain. I love a villain. I think that villains are like the most interesting characters on the planet. And yeah, it started as a joke. It started as a joke with me and my friends because I was obsessed with Tamu too, Um and like his duke and he's mm-hmm. amazing. And so it started as a joke in Boston and I was like, "Guys, I think the duke is better than cuz like I hate to say it but like i love him and i'm like but it's because they made him like sexy in the musical
1: <laughs> yeah there's definitely an, there, there's an argument for that there's an argument both ways um and i'm not going to silence the naysayers so you are <laughs> welcome to that opinion um yeah yeah i mean it, it is tough i literally i would tell brewer i was like bro you got like two feet on me and like so dashing and so charismatic i was like
2: <laughs> I give
1: this
0: my song
2: you know <laughs> like, like that's all I got <laughs> like, All right. he's
0: an amazing Duke though it I it was is, one he's is amazing all of I them and from, David like...
1: Harris David Harris who I missed on tour but who was like my initial point of contact when I was going into the show because yeah. we David and I did Next to Normal together years ago he, was, he played oh, my yeah. dad and, um, and when they were when they knew that Connor was departing the show, he reached out to me and was like, hey, have you gone in for this yet? And I was like, no, I've never been asked. Um, And he was like, can I give them your name? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> um, And that was sort of what got that ball rolling, I think. <laughs> so yeah. thank you, David Harris, uh, a Duke after my own heart.
2: <laughs> Love her. Love yeah, so oh, great, God. oh my
1: gosh. And I got to see David on Broadway a couple weeks ago and he's just so talented, oh my God, so winning. And, um, you know, he puts up a good fight. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, when I saw him um, on tour with Connor, at Intermission, my best friend who was sitting next to me. She had seen it on Broadway with me, I think twice at that point. She saw it like after the initial opening and then after reopening. And mm-hmm. she sat there and she looked at me on Intermission and she goes, I get why you're Team Duke. I get it. And I was like <laughs> I was like, that's the power of anyone that plays the Duke. But like David Harris's was unreal. Like yeah, I did not get enough of it. And I was so glad he moved to the Broadway Company because I saw it, um they sent me tickets for it happened to fall on my birthday. Um I was doing a thing with them. And so I was very lucky that it happened on my birthday because it was like it was the best birthday gift I've ever gotten was free tickets to the show. <laughs> And um, I got to see David for the first time in the Broadway company and like him and Aaron and Andre, like all together. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. This <laughs> is perfect. It's incredible. I love it. I was like, I'm so glad Aaron's back so I could see the three of them together. Cause yeah, so
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good, I, I remember I, I, the first time that I'd seen the show, it was still in previews in New York. <laughs> so I did see Aaron and I did see, um, Tam and, um, and Karen and all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the time, like we kind of didn't really, I suppose, I, I say we, I was part of the, the we, the the major part of the population that did not get to see the out of town in Boston.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So like you, I really didn't know what I was getting into and so much of it was still being fleshed out. It hadn't yet become the phenomenon that it is and yeah. I look back at it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, there was so much of this that I didn't understand in the moment. I was so swept away in the spectacular of it all, the spectacle yeah. of it all. And when you like dig down underneath it, you're like, wow, there's a really, really poignant show here. And I think Aaron moves through it so effortlessly. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they've really assembled a team of of just like dynamite talent to it's everything about it. I mean, the, the vocals, the performances, the dancing, the lights, it's like, they created something really magical. Um, yeah,
0: and I think it's a show that people should try and see more than once. Because like you said, the first time you see it, you were just like engrossed in how beautiful mm-hmm. it is. And then you see it a couple more times and you're like, oh, these are like crazy characters. You like, hear something new each beautiful. time, yeah. Yeah, and I,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, and, and, and I came back a, a while later cause I had done Jagged Little Pill with Derek. And so when Derek went into the show, I went to go see him and had a very different experience then. And then I received like material from the show for an audition and I experienced that material differently. I just, I feel like every time it comes back to me, I have a little bit of a deeper understanding of what's going on. so it's like, yeah. it's really, and I actually, I reached out to Aaron um, at the end of my run. Uh, because we hadn't had any crossover and um, he was no longer with the show in New York. So I just reached out to him and I was like, hey, man, like, I, I just, I just feel like I, I owed it to him to just, you know, you you, you have to thank the, the folks who like laid the groundwork for the thing. I mean, Mulan Rouge really changed my career and um, and and gave me some exposure that at that point, like I was like, I don't even know if this is gonna happen for me ever. So, uh, I felt like a need to thank Aaron for his hand in creating what he had created with this role. I mean, it's the the material and and it, it's it's so challenging, and I'm and I'm glad that the person who originated it was somebody who could elevate it to I, I feel like really what it what it could be. Um, so yeah i just like that that original team i got a lot of i have a lot of respect for them it's a really tough show to do every night mm-hmm. and let alone create and then maintain it's there's there's a lot to be admired there
0: yeah for sure and i mean you went semi-viral on theater TikTok.
1: <laughs> i and was very much unaware of that. I don't know much about it, um, but I will say I have received, I'm not personally on TikTok, but I would get messages from my friends. They'd be like, I combed through first to make sure I wasn't sending you anything with bad comments, which of course it's still gonna happen around a time, but they would send me these yeah. videos. Of myself and I was like, oh my gosh, this has to stop. Everyone, I like, I can't be aware of this because by the end of it, I was, I became more aware of it. And I was like, no, is this being videotaped? Like I have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. I have to, uh, and it that was a whole new learning curve for me was learning how to silence the voice in my head that was like yeah. if you mess this up it's going to live on forever on the internet <laughs> i was like oh dang john we can't we can't start with this
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've got enough to think about
0: <laughs> i i think it's so funny though because after roxanne went viral in 2021 like after aaron's opt up went viral it literally started this like crazy like thing where people, yeah. anyone that saw Moulin Rouge in any production, was yeah. like waiting for it, and I was like, guys, it's a hard thing to do. Like they're not going to do it every time. It's not and feasible. It, it but is like, it's, it's
1: tough, and it. You're right. It did. It changed yeah. the game for for the way that a lot of people experience the show. Uh, so thank you, Aaron, for creating the role, and also not as much of a thank you for making, for setting a, an impossible standard with that tiktok i feel like you feel
0: so bad for that
1: <laughs> no no i mean it's it's really I, there's a reason that it went as that that it's as popular yeah. as it is he sounds incredible and mm-hmm. um and yeah but it definitely from that point on i was like ah oh, dang so many people i mean i, I see it all the time <laughs> coming to shows because they're like, oh, I saw this clip on TikTok or on whatever it is. And like, that was something that I was like, oh, I want to see this in person. So there are are a good handful, not the majority, but there are a good handful of people who come to see the show because they found that TikTok and that TikTok led to another TikTok and that led to another article, to another video, to another thing. And then lo and behold, they're at show. And so you're like, okay, well now I have to deliver this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, dang. (laughs) <laughs> but, um, but you know, you have to, I had to talk myself off of that ledge many nights and I have to, I cannot let this go by without shouting out Courtney Reed here who sat me down on multiple occasions and was like, <laughs> I'm gonna say this verbatim. She'd just be like, babe, you need to stop thinking about this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. She was like my, uh, she was ever she was my friend, my co-star, my like mentor, my parental guidance at times. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, you know she really had a good grip of the uh the community around Moulin Rouge, which is something that I don't think I was really prepared for. I've never been a part of a show that yeah. had that kind of just like die hard following it really i mean it's incredible what they've the the community that they have created and fostered um and i think it speaks to you know what the, what the show is capable of it's yeah. it's amazing um but i was definitely surprised and overwhelmed at first and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> this is so important to people i cannot mess this up <laughs> you know so I feel a lot of, uh, I feel, um,
2: a lot of pride
1: and I feel a lot of, uh, you know, I I'm very I I care a lot about it, which was,
0: yeah.
1: of course, I always I care about every role, I care about every job that I have, but like, when you see how much it matters to other people, it changed, like it, you care about it so much more. It's like, oh, this has to be, yeah. uh, like I want to give them the experience that they came here for. So yeah. I ended up caring maybe to a fault. <laughs>
0: Um, Do you kind of feel the same way about The Notebook though? Because like, it does have such like a, it's a huge source material. Like it's been around for so long and so many people love it. Fun fact, I actually don't like the movie.
1: That's fair. You're allowed to not like the movie.
0: But I, the more I hear about the musical, my friends that went and saw it, they were like, Jill, you are going to lose it. Like they were like, you're going to love this so much. And they're like, I know you don't like the movie but you're going to love this so much. And then I have some friends that say that they prefer it as a musical to a movie. Like they think it speaks more as a musical than it does as a film. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. But like do you feel the same way mentally about The Notebook as you do Moulin Rouge?
1: To a degree, yes. Um, but what Moulin Rouge gave me a lot of tools to combat that kind of energy because it doesn't do me any good to ruminate on those feelings right. those thoughts they do come up right. um, and to somebody who has very little experience in it 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 can become really overwhelming the way that it did you know when I first started my time with Moulin Rouge um, and it you know it comes and goes and waves but I think I've been given a lot of tools to to have those conversations with myself and release myself of some of the pressure, you know, like all I can do is, is show up and, and do my job and do the best that I can with it. I love the show, I care about the show. Um, and that is, um, and I have to let that be enough and then go ahead and do my job. Like that has to be my main focus. So I do I do to a certain degree, I think I'm just a little more adept at handling it now. Um, but that being said, I also think that um, you know, I don't. It's it's when I talk about the notebook, it's a really big thing for me that I don't want to set any sort of standard or expectation too high. I want people to come in with their bar wherever they want it to be. It can you have no bar. It can be low, 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 and hopefully you'll come in and and give us the opportunity to blow you away. I have a lot of faith in the show. Um, but yeah, I think something that the notebook is is doing is that that I really love is um. It stands on its own apart from the movie and I think apart from the novel in a way, I think that each of them have the same heartbeat um, but they, you know, they're adaptations, you know I think a lot of a, a lot of us when we talk about these uh, adaptations, we think of them as as copies or like mm-hmm. something that's, you know, um, meant to replace a lot of people are like, Well, nothing's ever going to replace the movie, or nothing's ever going to replace the book. And it's like, You're right, it's an adaptation. Right. And to adapt is to change for the environment that you're in. There are things in the film that were not in the book. I've read the book several times at this point. Um, you know, there are things in the film that are not in the book that people latched onto as like, iconically the notebook, but it didn't pre-exist. It was an adaptation that, you know, okay. that the, the cinematic uh, medium allowed them to do things that the book couldn't. And we're doing the same thing. You know, we are not adapting from the film. We are also adapting from the novel. And there are things that will work on stage that would never have worked in the movie and vice versa. So it's like, they're all adaptations. They all have the same heartbeat. You can't come in expecting any one of them to be exactly the same as the other. Um, But the story, the heartbeat is the same, the pulse is the same. And um, I think you will leave with the same general, just cathartic experience of like a really pure love story about just one person wanting so badly to connect with another. And I think especially in, you know, 2023 with this sort of hyper-connectivity and electronics, like, to have, I, I feel like that's kind of part of what people gravitate so much to when it comes with the, to the notebook is, it's all about just two people, no walls, seeing each other for who they really are and connecting on a very human level. Neither of them are perfect. Neither of them are, you know, it's like, like, to have a person who sees the other is enough for them. And I think that's what people love, you know?
0: Yeah. I think, and I think it's also coming about at such a good time because like there's been this, I don't know what to call it. I've been saying resurgence, but I don't even know if that's the right word, of like romantic comedies that are more based within like such like true love. And so like such like beautiful love that's not perfect. And like Mm -hmm. these stories that are not perfect, but like, I think that there's been such a resurgence of people like finding love stories that they love through movies and stuff that they did not know existed
2: until Mm -hmm. now.
0: And in the last few months, there's been so many new movies coming out that are that way. And I think it's just like, The Notebook could not be happening at a better time. Like, I think it just works.
1: I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're right about that.
0: Yeah. And, and,
1: And for those who are, you know, you know, staunch fans of the film or the novel. And like, like it was the same thing with Moulin Rouge where yeah. like, there were so many folks who were like, well, it's not the movie and you're like, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, but if you love the movie and you wanna share the movie with more people, there are a lot of folks who would come to the musical and that was their first exposure. And then they go home and they watch the movie and they fall in love with the movie. And then the movie has its moment again. You know, it's like, they, yeah. they, they never replace each other. They just, hold hands with
2: (laughs)
0: yeah yeah that was like my cousin she is a huge Moulin Rouge fan like obsessed and she's actually the reason I got to see it in Boston she bought my ticket and bought my flight so amazing she was supposed to go with me but it was all this other stuff happened and um so after I saw it I was like this is incredible like this is the most amazing thing and I loved the movie too and I was like but they're so different like, they are absolutely two completely different, like, entities. And then she yeah. finally got to see it in, like, February or March. It was when Erin was still back in it, but I can't remember exactly when she saw it. But she, like, FaceTimed me, and she was like, Jillian, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. She was like, I don't want to look at any other musical ever. Like, she was like, this is <laughs> incredible. And I was like, hold off on that. I was like, there are <laughs> some amazing shows. But um, she was obsessed with David, obsessed with Aaron. Like, she could not get enough of it. And I, it made me so happy because she is such, like, an aggressive fan of the movie. And I was like, but that's just what, like, that's the best way to look at it is, like, they're two completely different things. You don't have to love one over yeah. the other at all.
1: Yeah. They can they can coexist. And um, the movie will always be there for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And speaking of The Notebook, I have another question from Instagram. Yeah. Um, Someone asked, what song from the notebook are you most excited for everyone to hear on Broadway?
2: Literally all of them. <laughs> but, Michael um, say? Like-
1: <laughs> Literally all of them. I, I absolutely adore the score that she has written for this show. It is, ooh, the, the score was my first introduction to it because mm-hmm. when I initially auditioned for the show, it was pre-pandemic, back in like, 2019 like winter of 2019 and uh for the initial audition it was just two songs that i had to sing and then like one scene and um i was like i remember i called my agents like immediately after and i was like i know at the time i was auditioning for like the understudy for the role that i'm playing now Mm -hmm. um and i was like i don't care what i have to do i was like but i need to be attached to this moving forward because this music like when i would sing it i was like this feels right and it's so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it just really stuck with me and then i ended up doing like a zoom reading of the show uh, a couple months later um playing finn uh who is still in the show uh, and it's like his best friend um and I just—that was the first time that I got to hear it in full, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so special!" But at the time, with my representation, I had just signed on with with new representation, and we were really trying to move forward um, and start playing, you know, some principal roles. I was in *Jagged Little Pill* at the time, and I was understudying uh, my friend Antonio, who was playing the role at the time in *The Notebook*. And so <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, I have to—I um, have to start making my way towards my own career." So I very begr- begrudgingly was like, "I suppose." I'll have to separate with this when the time comes. Um, and then the pandemic happened and a lot of things changed and shifted around. And, uh, and Antonio got a TV show that conflicted with um, the Chicago run. And of course, I mean, Antonio is wildly talented and as always. So he was actually the first person that I called when I uh, got the offer on the role itself. I got a phone call and like the crack of dawn and my friend was like hey they're looking for somebody to play this role in the notebook can i give them your name i was like yes and i called my manager and i was like how do we get in the room (laughs) um and it happened very quickly but i called antonio and he was he was really really supportive and and um happy for me and antonio is a really really good one and of course he's now thriving as like a tv star and um and yeah and everything kind of just like shook out really well and I got to do it. But the music was what initially caught me. So like, I can't wait for everyone to hear everything. There is a song in it that I get to do that I love very much um, called Sadness and Joy that I'm really excited to um, introduce to the world. And um, there's also Kiss Me is a really beautiful song and pretty much anything that (laughs) Joy Orion has to sing is give it to the world.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very, yeah, yeah. Joy
0: beat on Broadway is, (laughs) Everybody in the Roman Empire right now is Joy Woods in the
1: notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it should be, and it should be.
0: Exactly. Like, oh my god, I'm so excited. I have never gotten to see her in anything, and so I am so excited to witness her like live and in person and i'm it's like amazing. all my friends are like obsessed with her so i'm like i know i'm going to be obsessed with her it's fine like i just i have a feeling <laughs>
1: yeah i mean this role is really like it's it it feels just handcrafted for her she's so excellent in the show they like, they, they just found the best possible people to do this i I feel so lucky that i get to be one of them and um i mean jordan tyson who's my counterpart my ally like remarkable talent this will be her broadway debut like i can't wait for her to no. just like blow everybody away i remember i will never forget the first time i sat in the rehearsal room and heard her sing if this is love and i very literally just like stood up
2: <laughs> I <It> was like
1: <laughs> i so talented and then you know same with ryan the first time i heard him sing you know in in our rehearsal studio, it's just—it's every person that that steps up to the plate just makes your head turn. You're like, that's—it's yeah. it, unbelievable. I feel so, 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 so lucky. I
0: love uh, it. I'm so excited for it. It's literally like number one on my list of like this season's shows that I have to see. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, okay, what? This is like. This is a very difficult question. <laughs> um, I hate asking this because everyone always gets mad at me, but what is your favorite musical of all time? Like ever? <laughs>
1: um, my favorite musical of all time. I think is... <sighs> oh that's hard <laughs> uh, i'm i i will say this is what i usually say and i think and I, and I stand by it every single time and i think i can i think i can pretty confidently say it at this point my favorite musical is the light in the piazza okay uh i, I could watch it <laughs> a million times and never be bored i think it's yeah. I think the music is so gorgeous. I think the book is really beautiful. I mean, it's there's hardly any, but it's mostly sung through. But um, but it's, uh, it's it's there's just so much to mine in there. And you know, I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to do it. I don't think that I'm necessarily the right person to do it. But anytime somebody mounts a production of it, you know, I will be, I will yeah. be sad. <laughs> like I will be there with bells on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was unfortunately out of town for the New York City Center run, the Encores production, but I heard it was beautiful. And um, and of course, Andrea Burns was in it, who is in the notebook. I would have loved to have seen her. Um, and just everything that I saw about it looked beautiful, but I, I didn't get to see it. So I'm hopeful that that will have another moment, but I think Light in the Piazza. Honorable mentions being next to normal and uh, and honestly, Little Shop of Horrors is up there as well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like when I was a kid, I saw like a, a middle school production of Little Shop of Horrors. But it was like an incredible middle school production of Little Shop of <laughs> like, I, Unbelievable. And um that was also one of the moments where I was like, Oh, do I wanna do this? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um so yeah, those are probably my like they're all very different. And I think they Yeah, of-
0: they're very different. <laughs>
1: Yeah they, they each kind of capture a certain aspect of musical theater that I love so I feel like that's a good trinity to have.
0: Yeah I, I think so. I actually saw Little Shop for the first time a few weeks ago um, because I have never really been a big Little Shop fan. I also just like didn't really I never really had a chance to see it or anything anyways but I was like if they cast Someone that I really, really want to see in this off-Broadway production, I will go. Like 1000 percent I will go. And I had a friend that was in like final rounds for auditions for it last year and then didn't get it. So I was like, Well, it's never gonna happen. I was like, I'm just never gonna see (laughs) it. And then they were like, Corbin Blue and Constance, we were gonna be in it. And I texted my friend and I said, I'm buying tickets for us, literally right this way. (laughs) I was like, I'm grabbing my tickets. And I had so much fun. We were delirious. We were exhausted. We had like just flown in at like 6 a.m. And like hadn't slept at all for like 24 <laughs> hours. But we had so much fun at the show. And I still don't think I love Little Shop. But I know it's fun. And I think that that's what's the that's most important thing.
1: So. Listen, see, it, it's campy and it's not for everyone. Um, and I, but I just, I, I love it and and i uh, i got to do a production of it when i was a junior in college at a summer theater and i had a blast and i like the show is so much fun to do um oh my gosh i loved it i loved it and the cast that we had was was stellar and um I mean, I look back on it now, like I I just ran into my friend Cameron who was the voice of Audrey too when I did the show and he's in The Lion King right now and has been for a while. And like one of our urchins in Keki was Adrian Warren's replacement in Tina Turner on Broadway. And uh, my friends, oh my gosh, I just had his name and now it's escaping me, Um, Carl, my friend Carl. was uh the dentist and he writes musicals now and like is doing very very well and, like industry presentations of his shows and um it's it's like I, I i yeah i had a great time doing it the people were amazing like it was yeah i just love that show it's so much fun yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen i love like a campy show that like is just zero shame like campy as hell I think that they are so fun and I think that they get a bad rap. I really do. Well but
2: and again, is, very I saw,
0: I saw Devil Wars Prada last year.
1: <laughs> so as did and I
0: the most aggressively awful reviews. But I had so much fun that I was like, I don't really care. Agreed. I, I, I had care. a great time.
1: <laughs> I had a great time watching it. Um and like I mean has its kinks to be ironed out, but I have no doubt that they will um, figure out how to make it work. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in Little Pop of ours, again, I, I don't think it's any secret as to why I'm drawn to it. It's like I said, I love a character that everybody loves who does some questionable things and makes yeah. you question why you love this person so yeah. <laughs> much, ask you questions about yourself and about the world and the way that we experience it and experience other people. I'm like that is Seymour is another great example Seymour literally
0: yeah like at its core that's literally his whole character
1: (laughs) yeah it's like this I love those kind of roles I think they're fascinating I think they're fascinating and I think that they inspire interesting conversations about ourselves and our humanity and our empathy I'm like. It's interesting. So yeah, like I used Evan Hansen as an example, but it's really, I mean, it's across the boards. It's its how do you pick and choose which ones are the most troublesome.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Like, it's like, that's, it's, it's human. I love human
2: theater. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, and I mean, I think that's one of the things that I love the most about theater in general is like, it's so different from like movies and television in a sense of like, you only have two and a half hours to flesh out an entire story. And it has to be, like, a specific way. Because with movies, it's, like, oh, we need a sequel. Or we can, like, dive into it in other ways. Like, whatever. But with a musical, it's, like, you only have that, like, two and a half hours to fully flesh out everything about these people. And I think it's so funny because I just, like, there's so many movie adaptations, like, movie-to-stage adaptations. And everyone hates it, but I love it. Because I'm, like, it gives you more... To go off of of your favorite things, yeah. I, I mean, I think
1: that there's. I think everything is great in moderation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, I do. You,
1: you definitely like it's. I understand what, what. And I mean, I myself like. I I, I want to see some original material. I think that's really really exciting. And um, and but then we have to support it when it comes in, yeah. which you yeah. know I you I understand why producers are are you know. Are reticent because it's a really big gamble, and you put a lot, of, you sink a lot of money into these things. And, um, but I do. So, so when when new things do come out, regardless, I hope that we support them and, and send the message to folks that um that we are ready to receive some, some, some gambles. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, had, I've had a great time at some original stuff. I I use this one as an example all the time because I it didn't do particularly well like it didn't have a big long run i think but i do think the people who saw it enjoyed it um was flying over sunset i saw it three times i, I loved, loved
2: it. flying over sunset
1: i loved it
2: loved and i it. so
1: wish that more people had had the time to see it and it also it was tough like it was on the heels of the pandemic like coming back from that is really challenging so it was a tough time to get people in but i just had such a profound experience at that show, and I—the reason that I yeah. went back again—I I brought a friend back, and I was just like, I, I—I I was like, I feel like there's a lot happening here, and I missed some of it, and, um,
2: yeah.
1: but yeah, I'm like, when new shows come in, go, 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 go see them and yeah. talk about them, and whether whether you love them or not, talk about them, like like talk about what's working, what's not working, and drum up these conversations so that we can keep sending these signals that are like we we want this. We want to see this. We want to support this. We want to get new shows in here.
0: Um, yeah. I think flying over sunset was so funny though. I almost didn't see it. And then my friend that I was in town with, she was from LA. So like flying over sunset was like top of her list, had to go and see it. So we did like the link takes like 30 under 30 and, um, I wasn't going to because I was like, let me get tickets for the Matinee of Rouge instead while you go to that. And I was like, and then we'll go and see a show that night together. She's like, OK. And then like two days before the day that she was seeing it, we were sitting at lunch and I was like, you know, the more I think about it, the more I need to see Tony Yazbek. Because so, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorite performers. Like, And I had never seen him in person. And like I said, I love tap. So like I had to go yeah. see him.
2: And
1: so he was tapping. <laughs> he was
0: tapping. Oh I was like second or third row back, like on orchestra left, and like during um, which number was it? I don't remember which one. It was like the in, in the therapist office. Therapist
1: office. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking
0: about that one. My at intermission, my friend looked at me and she was like, "He could have slid into you," and I was like, "Yeah." Like I was like <laughs> that. Was, I was like, it was yeah. aggressive. <laughs> like he was going for it. It was crazy, but it was like one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. Like it was. I mean, I thought
1: all of them across the boards gave like yeah. really stellar performances. I oh mean, god, Carmen yeah. Cusack was revelatory. I was like, this yeah. is, and I've, she was nominated. Yeah, I think she was sorry, nominated yeah. best actress for that. And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. so well deserved.
0: Yeah. I thought yeah. she was remarkable. She's so good um but i am very glad that i saw it because we walked out of there and i was like that was a fever dream but i don't ever want to have woken up from it like i wish that i had stayed in there for like six hours i love it it was
2: amazing it
0: It was so fun and i had friends though that saw it like in previews and whatever and they were like it just was such a different show every single time you saw it before it like Mm -hmm. froze it was like interesting i think that's why a lot of people didn't like it was because they saw it in previews before it was like frozen and then were like
2: not i mean i don't
1: I, I really i couldn't even tell you i enjoyed it so much I was like what i i can't imagine not enjoying this <laughs> yeah so this is so it, there were there was, like, there was fun and there was catharsis and there was um you know some some really beautiful music and i thought the staging was really gorgeous the yeah, set was gorgeous exactly. i was like this is i was like i there's so much to enjoy here um mm-hmm. and like yeah there are moments to be Discussed and criticized, like there are with any artistic piece. Yeah. Again, I think that that is sort of like criticism has the power to be the lifeblood of of theater. I think if if used appropriately and incorrectly, I think um, those sort of conversations are what should be driving people into the theater to have their own experience.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I see I see nothing wrong with, with with that. But I I did I was watching it and I was like. There's so much to enjoy here and there's so much to to talk about and so much um, to really celebrate those performances. My God.
0: Um, I felt the same way after Here We Are as I did after Flying Over Sunset because I was like... So
2: bad. (laughs) I want to see it so bad. (laughs)
0: Crazy. Like, it's... I don't even know how to describe what it was like to see it. But it was, it's like, it's so absurd in like a really cool way. And like, I, like, I, everyone keeps asking me what I thought of it. And I'm like, I think I loved it, but I also, like, haven't had enough, I still have not had enough time to, like, digest it, I don't think. And it's been like three weeks, but I'm like, there's something about it that I, I feel like I wanna see it again. And I probably will when I'm back in January, but I was like, this is, it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna. I'll, I'm. I'm gonna make my way down there at some point. I, I'm in the process of moving from uh, Boston back to New York. Yeah. So. So I'm. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I. Uh, I'm very excited to see it. I'm trying to see as much as I can these days because I've been out of town for just about two years now. So I'm like, okay, I need to. I missed a lot of things.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's so, a and there's a lot happening. So much. Like overwhelming amount of things that are happening
1: it's tough to catch it all but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best there are a lot of things on my on my theater hit list to see yes
0: like I we're going back in January um like right in the new year and we were like okay so we have tickets to one thing currently and we're like we don't know what else is gonna be happening so I'm not (laughs) I'm not banking on any other ticket until like the week before like I'm not even gonna worry about it and um, I have a lot of friends like that are creators on TikTok, and they're so big on like seeing every single production in the season. And I'm like, this year is going to be exhausting for you.
1: <laughs> like, this is—I uh, mean, that is like my dream, but also, I mean, that is that it's it's a tall order. There's a lot to see, yeah. and there's and it's you know, it's expensive to see. <laughs>
2: yeah. so, so I, I
1: tried. I was I was in town this past week. Um, uh, apartment hunting and uh and so I was trying to like rush each night that I could yeah, so I didn't yeah. see a couple of things but like yeah it's and but also there's a rush was a lot more accessible than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. to anybody who's listening and he's like ah, I can't go get, get in there those rush seats not to be missed get
0: get in yeah. there use
1: use those because they and they were all great seats I was
0: yeah
1: very happy had a great time
0: I yeah I rushed some like it hot in February and I mean, like, I got there at, like, noon, (laughs) and I got, like, for the two o'clock, I got a seat, and it was, like, fourth Mm -hmm. row back. Like, it was great seats. And, like, even if they don't have any rush tickets available when you get there, just ask for the cheapest, best seats, and they are very nice They will hook you up with good seats. Yeah, yeah. Like, they are, box office people are great. Don't ever underestimate how nice they are. (laughs) Like, they will get you what you want. (laughs) He's amazing. Um... But yeah, I feel like we've been talking for a minute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, I'm a rambler. I'm a rambler.
0: No, I get it. Feel free to cut any of that, you know. I'm the same way. I totally get it. Editing my podcast is a nightmare every single (laughs) time. I hate it. Um, (laughs) do you have anything that you want to kind of close out with or like plug or anything other than the notebook?
1: (laughs) You know not much to add other than I just like, if you're listening to this and you are somebody who found me, whether it was, you know, Moulin Rouge or The Notebook or Jagged Little Pill or The Karate Kid or whatever it was. um, Thank you. (laughs) Um, Thank you for like supporting my work and what I do, like this is this is what I love to do, and, um, and in the case of Moulin Rouge, which is how we became connected, um, like the support that, like going into that, it was something that was very very uh, nerve wracking and overwhelming to me, and I'd, I'd never done anything that was quite so public, and so. Um, it was. I'm very, very grateful for the support that I've had and to the Moulin Rouge folks who took such great care of me. Um, it really was like just a a, a a, watershed moment for my career. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful for it. I'm really grateful to all the people who connected with what I was doing and supported what I was doing. And I, I hope that I get to see you all again at The Notebook. I'm very, very excited for it. I'm very proud of it. Um, and yeah, just like a really really big thank you to everybody who has been sort of lifting me up over the last couple months. Like I I see all of it and I'm I feel really really grateful and lucky. And that's all.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Loved thank getting to talk to me. you. Of course.